Welcome to this week's podcast from Fearless LA. For more information, check out fearlessla.com or explore the Fearless app. Thanks for listening. This is Fearless Los Angeles. tell you that there's something special in each one of you that you were born an original you don't need to die a copy you were born very special do you realize there's no one like you on this earth that you have a unique fingerprint that they can find out who you are and you're the only one that has that fingerprint you're the only person that God made like you which means you're very special and which means the devil who doesn't like God at all doesn't like his creation at all and you got to understand the devil the whole warfare is what it's about is the devil used to be uh, the worship leader in heaven that's why music is something that's real big for the devil in music to use he was the worship leader he inspires a lot of music that will be anti-god and pull away from god and lyrics away from god that's what he does all the musical instruments in heaven were built into his body lucifer's body in heaven is what the Bible says. And so what happens is he was called an anointed cherub. When he rebelled against God and said he's going to take over, which is a wrong thing to do, because he's a created being and here's the creator, and you don't tell the creator what to do, what happened is, is that he got removed from heaven. He was just kicked out of heaven with a third of the angels and two-thirds stayed. So what happened is we have this anointed cherub that was kicked out, and what he lost more than anything else was the anointing. So now, it's real easy then to figure, then here's the church and here's us that we walk around when we get saved. There's an anointing that is on our lives to pray for people, break yokes. Pastor gets up here and starts praying about breaking different sicknesses and for you to receive your healing. That's an anointing. What he's saying, the glory of God and so forth, do you feel that? That's called an anointing. It's something that breaks uh, things in our life. It breaks yokes, it says, off of our neck. It breaks these heavy things on us. So the devil doesn't like you and I that have the anointing because he lost it. So he can't take it out on God, so he takes it out on you and I. So when we go ahead and we start worshiping, he doesn't want us to worship because there's an anointing that comes and he lost it and he can't do this anymore. That's why you and I need to press in even more than ever. He can't do it. We still can do it. He can't worship. We still can worship and we can honor God. So when we do this, then God begins to kiss your service and kiss this meeting and touch it in a great way. Listen, all of you here... You have something in you that God put in you called greatness. He put something in you and put it in man. He put his creative image inside of us. And he has this thing called potential that's in all of us. You and I both have potential. Now what happens is that mom or dad or whoever or friends have spoken things to you and said things that you may not think you're that good. You don't even try some things because you have an insecurity and you, you worried about failure because you failed at one thing. Do you understand failure is an act? It's not a person. 
Failure is something that we do and may not go ahead and we didn't win the race, but it's not my name. It's not who I am. It's an act. It's not you. You understand? You are not a failure. You might not have done this well or you failed a test, but it doesn't mean you are a failure and you qualify as a failure. So God says there's something in you and tonight I want to help get that out of you because you have been called and chosen to change the world. Amen? Now, I'm going to get the rest of you in a minute. I'm not worried about it. So if you've been chosen to change the world, there's a scripture in the Bible that says many are called and few are chosen. So you've been called here. Here you are called. We have a lot of people that's been called here tonight. But there's only some of you going to feel chosen to really do something great. Now, we got to change that because your mentality has to change that you have been chosen by God. He sent his son on that cross to die for you specifically, you personally. If you were the only one, he would have done that for you. So take that personal because it is. That's what he wanted. I told a few stories last service, and I told about people that I have met years and years and years, and you know who they are. They're very popular. You ever see people that just get along with people, and they, they're very good with people, and they're very uh, uh, sociable, and, and it seems like they're just a try. You see them at school, or you can see them at different places. They're in a, they, they work in business, and they just seem to be this gathering-type spirit, and it's just something on them. They might not be saved at all. There are people that have magnetic personalities and can do that. Entertainers can do that and so forth. doesn't mean they're Christian, but they have actually, because of that little trait you see, They've been really chosen by God to change the world, except they don't realize who they are yet. They don't understand it. I remember when I was, uh, I was speaking in a high school, and as I was speaking in a high school, uh, there was a little girl, beautiful little girl, 17 years old, found out. Uh, she was a senior in the high school, and she was the most popular girl in school, and she was the valedictorian. She had a four-point uh, whatever. I mean, uh, i never seen that, but she, she was high. And, 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 and so... That's who you sit by in class. Hey, man. All right. So here she is. <laughs> and here her name was Wendy. So Wendy comes up. And after I gave this talk in a school here, she comes up and says, hey, do you talk to young people? And I said, well, I used to do that a lot. And all. They said, would you talk to me? And I kind of, Lord, just kind of told me, yeah, why don't, you, why don't you see if she'll come in and maybe meet? And I normally wouldn't do it. But the Lord just said, yeah, I'll have her come in. It must be something I can help her with. Little girl comes in, and as she comes in, I find out really from the teachers, who is this girl before I left? And they tell me she's the most popular girl. Now, as you know that, that's a very influential person because, you know what, we look at people, the way they wear their hair, I want to wear my hair. The way they dress, I'm going to dress that way. Oh, your shoes are, you're so cool. So if I wear those shoes, I'd be cool. And then we got people like that that will do that. So here's Wendy comes in, and Wendy tells me the story. She goes, uh, I want to tell you a story that, 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 that uh, four times uh, on, uh, a week out of seven, four nights a week, I wake up and someone is killing me, horribly killing me, and I die so many different ways. These brutal deaths. And it happens four nights out of seven nights every week that I wake up and, and traumatized almost. And he said, I don't know what's happening and I don't know what, what's going on. So I said, Wendy, I said, let me, let me just talk to you a little bit about, you know, you're very popular at school. I said, a lot of people love you and I kind of, and, and really like what you do. And you pretty much command an audience. I mean, you just, you're just very popular. You understand that? She didn't really get that. But I said, you've been chosen to change the world. I said, what do you mean by that? Well, I said, I'll explain it to you in a minute. I said, but let me tell you why you're having these dreams. I said, let me ask you this first. What kind of music do you listen to? And here this little beautiful girl says, I listen to this death metal music, this death metal that sounds like 
like you know somebody is hitting your foot with a with a with a brick, and and it's that kind of screaming, and 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 so she's listening to that, and and as she's listening to that, she she's listening to all this demonic and Satan and and, and all this stuff is harm, and I just shocked at this. You wouldn't expect that's the way she looked, that she would listen to it. She's listening to this, and I said, well, have you put it together that the death metal and death in your dreams might be connected? And she goes, no, I just don't connect music in my dreams, and I just, she, I just can't get that. I don't think you understand my problem. I said, no, I understand your problem. I said, you, you got to, listen, Wendy, I said, I can get rid of your dreams right now. I said, if you just accept Jesus, I said, we can get rid of your dreams. I said, because you've been chosen to change the world. And she goes, no, you don't understand. You know what, but I want to come back, and I want to show you something. I said, okay. So she leaves. Two weeks later, she comes in. She brings me a notebook. Now, she's pencil sketch. She goes, I pencil sketch. And I said, well, you know, some people draw or whatever. But I opened this book up of her pencil sketches, and she was like a professional. I mean, she was very good. Problem was, when I opened it up, she's got all this death metal cover CD that she's been, she's drawing demonic figures and all of this. And she goes, isn't that good? I said, yeah, but there's your dreams here. Here's your, what you're dreaming about. It's what's waking you. It's waking me up now. It's wrong. And so I go through, and then I turn to a page, and I get to a page, and it has this horrible face on it. Has these sunken black eyes, big nose. It looks like a like a, a, a. It's hard to describe. A big face. It looked like death. It looked like suicide. It looked by. And then I read real close, and the little word me, M E, surrounded the face all over to 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 form this picture of this face. And I looked at this thing, me, and I said, Wendy, what is this picture? She goes, That's me. I said, What do you mean that's you? She goes, That's the way I look on the inside. I said, that's who you are on the inside. The first time I saw a picture of what people really walk around smiling, could be beautiful, have it all together. But on the inside, don't you find all these Hollywood guys, that how, how it wouldn't surprise us so much that really there's really death on the inside. And they commit suicide and do these things when they've just come out with a blockbuster movie and their lives are wrecked. Well, see, see, that's the inside. We can put on the facade and act like we've got it together, but then when we lay our head down by ourselves, we realize that our life is not really as cool as it is when I'm walking around playing the game. So, so what happened, Wendy, I'm talking to her. I said, Wendy, I said, if this is you, I said, you need to change your life, baby. I said, I want to help you. And, and you need to give your heart to Jesus because you've been chosen. Really, you have a, you have a dynamic personality. And she wouldn't listen. She laughed. What happened is she stayed away for about a month or two, and all of a sudden I saw her in one of our meetings. She never came to our church. She comes to a meeting. I see her, and when I get to the altar call time, I'm pulling for Wendy to get saved because I know she's been running from God, and I call, I'm kind of like, I, I did everything except, Wendy, get saved. You know, yell, saying her name. <laughs> Wendy. Okay. And so Wendy wouldn't come down. After it's over, she walks down to the altar. She goes, I just want to tell you goodbye. And I want to thank you for the time you gave me. I said, Wendy, look. I said, why don't you just pray with me tonight? And I said, your life can turn around. You really have something that God has chosen you to make an impact. And you're choosing not to make an impact. You're messing up. She goes, look, I want to get drunk. I want to party. I want to do some things. I want to have, I want to have life. I want to do this. Now, what I'm about to tell you is I haven't told anybody ever before in my life to this day. I haven't said this. But God gave me, they call it in the Bible a word of knowledge where at times, I, I never said something this serious. I've said a lot of word of knowledge in the sense that God will tell me if somebody's been abused and somebody will talk to me and I said, you've been abused by your dad when you're five years old. And let me know that to go ahead and to break something and help them get free from that. 
As Wendy is there, I said, Wendy, if you make this choice tonight, I said, let me tell you what's going to happen. I said, what do you think is going to happen? I said, well, within a year, what's going to happen is that you're going to be raped in the backseat of a car at a bar. I said, how do you know that? I said, I just know this. I said, then what's going to happen is you're going to get hooked on drugs. What's going to happen? You're going to be sleeping with a drug addict and you're going to be living in his apartment. What's going to happen is, is you're also going to have, uh, go to the hospital and you're going to have a sexually transmitted disease and you're going to have to go into the hospital for this. She goes, that will never happen. That's not what's going to happen. I said, okay, I hope it doesn't happen. I really do. I don't want it to happen. Guess what? A year later, a year passed. I get a call out of the blue from Wendy. I said, is this Pastor Glenn? All of a sudden, she's calling me Pastor Glenn. It was just Glenn, but now I'm Pastor Glenn. I said, yeah, Wendy, how are you doing? She said, you were right. I said, what do you mean I was right? She said, last night I got raped in the backseat of a car. And uh, uh, it was bad. It was horrible. We were drinking at a bar, and uh, I got raped. I just want you to know. I said, Wendy, I'm so sorry it happened. I'd love to be able to help you. Let me pray with you. Come see me. Let's work this thing out. I said, it's not too late. She goes, no. I'm not through partying. I said, Wendy, don't do this. I said, look, God's got, you, got his hand on your life to do something. She hung the phone up. Six months later, she calls me up, says, guess what? said, uh, I'm, I'm hooked on drugs, just like you said. And I'm uh, sleeping now in an apartment living with a drug addict where I have drugs. I said, Wendy, I'm so sorry to hear that. I wish you would just change and turn around. She wouldn't do it. Hung up. Six months later, she calls me. I said, Wendy, where are you at? I said, I'm in a hospital. I have a sexually transmitted disease. I said, Wendy, would you please listen to me? I said, why do you keep calling me? He said, because you're right. You've been honest with me, and you've told me straight what was going to happen to me, and it's exactly what you said. And I knew that I was walking away, and I knew I was rebelling against it, but I just wanted to do it anyway. I said, Wendy, you've been chosen to change the world. There's something special about you. something special, I would say that to anybody, because you've been made by God. And so, so she said, no. And she goes, thank you for what you have said to me, but I don't want it. Wendy said no. She was chosen to change the world. Do I have a, you know, we love to have these preachers have good stories. I don't have one. Never talked to her again. Don't know what happened to her. It's sad. But then I have somebody like Jean. Jean was someone that I met in a school. And I remember when I went into a high school to set up a campus club in a high school, I was going to do a Christian club, and I was setting it up with the principal. And word got out in this gigantic high school, and this guy, Gene, was a Satanist and drug addict. And Gene was a guy that wore black mascara around his eyes and so he could look really evil like the Green Day guy. And now he's got, he's got his stuff, and then he's, his hair is red, bright red. Some of you don't even listen to know who Green Day is. Okay, and so... His, his hair, really, it was his true color. He wasn't dying. It was just red fire-looking hair that he had sticking up. And he wore black, black eyeliner, and he was very white, pale, look, and then black shoes, black everything, black underwear, black socks. Everything's black. Okay? This is him. And so what happens, he approaches me at school, and he's got his black eyes with eyeliner on him. You're the guy, the preacher, starting a Christian campus, huh? I said, yeah. I'm going to start a satanic campus club. I'm starting a club for Satan. If you do that, I'm going to start one for Satan. I said, fine. I said, do what you want to do. I said, but I'll tell you this. So you, I said, you worship Satan? Yeah, he's God. Better than your God. I said, okay. I said, let me just challenge you. Why don't you come one night to my meeting if you can handle it? 
Because you probably can't because, you know, Satan would not protect you if you came to my meeting. But I just kind of wonder if you would just be man enough to show up or you want to be a big baby and don't come. So you want to come and be a man and try it one time. One time and let me see what you got. I'll be there. And he went off and I'll be there. Okay. So I riled him up is what I did. Now, I didn't know how crazy this guy was, this kid was. I mean, he was like, he was like a bad guy. I found out later. I wish I'd have known that. All of a sudden, I would, all of a sudden, I'm in a service, and of course, everybody is there, and then I see this red hair sticking up right back here. And I'm like, he's here. So I'm like, oh, that's great. And so I'm preaching away. As I'm preaching away, I'm not thinking about it because we had about 800 people there at the time. And, we'd, and so all of a sudden, I give the altar call. And as they give the altar call, all these people are coming up for this altar call, standing at the altar. And as I'm here, I'm kind of looking, okay, that's good. Good, you're normal. You look normal a little more. Ah! There he was. He was right there. And he had eyeliner running down his face. It's kind of odd. Red hair, eyeliner running down his little pale face. And he's crying. And I looked down and said, Gene, what's going on? He goes, you really want to know? I said, yeah. He said, I came tonight to kill you. I said, what do you mean you came to kill me? He said, the devil told me if I would kill you and then I would open my... We, we, you, see, you, you know, we used to tell these stories and nobody believed it. We know today people are just nuts and would do stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And stand up, he goes, and then he told me if I would just shoot people, he would give me power. And I said, well, apparently that's not what's happening, huh? He goes, no. I said, then what happened? He said, I was getting ready to sit up, and I was going to pull out my gun. And he said, all of a sudden, there was a hand that pushed me back in my seat. I'm just telling you what happened, folks. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a weird guy at all, but I'm going to tell you something. When somebody's going to kill me, you're going to get messed up by God. Don't try it. And so God, God is going to pull you by the hair and drag you around. All right, so, so, so. So he said, I feel a hand push me back in my seat, and I feel two other hands hold my arms down on the seat where I couldn't move. And then as you were talking, there was this giant angel 20 feet high that was, now I'm just telling you his story, not mine, his story. It was, it stood up behind you with his arms folded, staring at me, daring me to get up and do something and touch you and attempt to touch you. And when I saw that, he's telling me this at the altar. He said, when I saw that, he said, I realized that the God, this Satan that I was serving is no big deal and has no power at all compared to your God. You have the real God with the real power. So I want to get your God tonight and he got saved he gets saved and goes back and doesn't start a satanic club but starts a Christian newspaper then he goes to LSU University and starts the first Christian newspaper at the university now he's a missionary in China and he has been chosen to change the world like you huh you got to understand, you have greatness inside of you you don't realize. You have something that God wants to use inside of you, but you don't realize that it can be tapped. You don't need anybody else other than God to tell you you can make it. You don't need anybody else to pat you on the back or encourage you. God has already sent his son, put his blood on you, and says you are made to be a champion. Amen. Now, 
Let me preach my message. That's not my message. But that was okay, wasn't it? That's all right. Woo. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, let me just tell you that you're going to like this. You're going to like this. Uh, I don't get to you much. This is my fifth time preaching in 24 hours. Okay. It's my fifth time. So, so <laughs> you don't care. Huh? You just kill dad. Kill him off. Just let dad die. I want an inheritance. God bless you. No. No. Okay, so listen, listen, what I'm going to, you know what, you have a great preacher. Pastor Jeremy's a great preacher. I, I can, you know, I, we can get up and preach and I can do all that. I've come to, to, to be like a spiritual father. And what I mean by this is I've done this thing 40 years. I have, I have read commentaries. I've studied, it's like a doctor that has read a medical journal for 40 years. Okay. So what I'm going to share with you is not something that uh, is a great message. This is a truth message. It is a life message that you take this today. It's one of the greatest truths, one of the greatest truths, I believe, in the entire Bible, and anybody will tell you it is. It flows through every aspect of your life, and what I'm going to give you tonight is going to be worth the time that we're here because you take this. I'm serious. I'm not playing. You take this. It will absolutely revolutionize your life. It will, and it will alter your future. Everything you're believing for in your future will come to pass if you just hear this message tonight. I'm not saying maybe. I'm guaranteeing it based on God's word, and God doesn't lie. All right? Father, in Jesus' name, help. Amen. I may believe help covered everything I could say. All right, so let's get into this. I want to show you a scripture in Genesis 8. Is everybody ready? Say amen. All right, here we go. Okay, watch this now. I'm explaining this. While the earth remains, how many believe the earth is still here? I do. Okay, it's here. It says, read this with me. All of us, let's read it together. You ready? Go. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. So, there are four things that it says if the earth remains. Now, I'm going to teach you. I want you to listen. This is the most important message you'll ever hear. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night will never cease. God says this is a law. It's called an immutable law of God, which means God spoke it and there's nothing anybody can do about it. You know what I'm saying? No demon in hell can change it. Satan can't change it. You can't change it. No prayer meeting can change it. Money can't change it. Can't buy a change. Can't do it. How many of you know that after day, night's going to come, and after night, day's going to come. You and I can do nothing about it, right? Now, I want you to understand this. I'm, I'm getting you to understand the way God thinks. This is his law. This means it never changes. He spoke this. He said day and night is always going to be winter and summer. It's going to be cold. It's going to be hot. It's going to be cold during the year. It's going to be hot during the year. You're not going to change that. It's not going to change. That's the way it's always going to be. All this global warming and all this stuff they're talking about, you know what? Here's the scripture that says what's going to happen. It's going to be cold and hot. It's going to be winter and summer and day and night. It's, this is God's word. As long as this, that the earth remains, these things are in place. The only one that you and I can participate in, because you and I can't participate in day and night, we can't participate in winter or summer. We don't have anything to do with that. He says, I'm going to let you participate in one of my immutable laws called seed time and harvest. And that's what I'm talking to you about tonight. It's one of the most important truths in the Bible that we don't even talk about, don't even know about. He said, I want you to understand seed time and harvest. Now, understand seed time and harvest, you and I participate in seed time and harvest every day. 
just as you and I participate in day and night. Cold in it, you know, some, you know, you can wear short sleeves, tomorrow morning it's cold, so you're wearing a jacket. Do you have to adjust to this, right? We have to adjust to winter. Winter doesn't adjust to you and I. We adjust to summer. Summer doesn't adjust to us. It doesn't do this. Your night's not going to change at all. You just need to get a light if you want to walk around because, you know what, that's just the way it is. Seed time and harvest is something I want you to understand tonight is that you and I participate in just as we do these others. It's an immutable law of God. So somebody say seed time. Say harvest. Okay, so seed time is connected to harvest. Now, so let's get into this. Look what it says in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 30, yeah. It says, then he will give the rain... For your seed, it's your seed, watch this, of which you sow the ground. God gives me seed. Now, I'm explaining what that is so you'll understand. You and I, it's my seed, nobody else's, for me to sow in the ground. What I sow eventually grows. If I don't sow anything, I shouldn't expect anything to grow. Some of you waiting for your ship to come in, you've never launched a ship. Why are you waiting for them to come in? You want to wait for some. I want food, but you never planted any seed. You know what? So God says here, your seed, which you sow in the ground, and bread of increase on the earth, it will be fat and plenty. So what he's saying, the seed that you have, if you plant it right, then you're going to have plenty the rest of your life. All right? God's not against you taking care of yourself, paying your bills, getting a nice marriage, getting a house. God wants you to have that. But you've got to do it his way. That's what I'm going to help you with. Now, let's go back to now Genesis and now go to the beginning of the Word of God. And I'm explaining some things very, very important to you. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and what else? Okay. So what he's saying there is he created land before he created man. All right? Adam's not around. He created the earth before he put people on the earth. So the land, meaning this, where you are is important, where you live is important, where you go to church is important, where you work is important, because that is a seed that you're doing. You're taking your life and you're giving hours to something, that is part of your life. That's seeding into that. You're putting money into things. When you go places, you're seeding into it. So land was before man, and this is important. Because land is something where God says, when I take Adam out of the whole world, I think I want to put him in the proper place where he could flourish the most. So I'm going to put him in the Garden of Eden. He could have put him over where China is, could have put him where America was. The land was already there. But God chose specific place for him to be. That's why tonight you need to understand, is this the specific place that God has for you? Because God has a specific place for you. He has a place that he wants you to grow. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to mature. He wants you to increase. You can be at a place. It's like taking a seed, give you an example, and putting it uh, out in the sand. It's land, but it's not going to produce and the seed's not going to grow. So I've taken seed and I put it in the wrong area. I said, why is it not growing? Well, I planted it in the wrong place. So you can take seed, but if you don't plant it, see, we think, well, if I can give to the Lord, if I just give and I just give to this and I give to that. No, 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 no. You don't do that. 
because you're giving to things that may not go ahead and bring increase. You're putting it in areas that don't bring any growth back and you don't see any fruit come from it. So I want to find land that's prosperous. Now, let me just say this land, this church here is a prosperous church. Look at you. Many of you have been saved right here. Many of you, your friends are going to get saved here. Mom and dad is going to get saved. Somebody's going to get miracles here. It sounds like this is what God would say is a good fertile ground for you to plant seed. So I need to plant seed. I don't just come sit, soak, and sour. I come to go ahead and invest. I'm not here to take and get. I'm not looking for a Costco and if they don't have all my stuff, I'm looking for some other place. I'm coming to this church to help this church reach a city. I'm not coming to get. I'm coming to give. Can somebody help me tonight? All right. Oh, I'm getting warmed up now again. Okay, now watch this. So God then created heaven's earth. Now watch it. Here's verse 2. Verse 2. Here's the beginning of the Bible. The earth was without form, void, darkness. Somebody say darkness. Another word for darkness is chaos. Chaos. Um, you ever been in a building you don't know where you're at and the lights are off? How about, how about <laughs> well, I was at a hotel last night in, uh, where's I at? If I say Valencia. I'm in Valencia, and you ever try to go to the bathroom in a hotel room you're not used to with the lights off? And you just, you walk in, and you're kind of worried. You, go, you run into something. You, 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 know, you bang your head. You trip over things, and you're not, you forgot you left something on the floor. It's chaos. If you're in a building and all the lights go out, everybody ah, panics. Oh, God. It's just the lights went out. It's okay. Okay. And what happens when the lights go out, there's darkness. So the world was in chaos. Watch it. So Satan is in charge right now. God hadn't done anything yet. So wherever the devil is, there is going to be darkness. He's symbolic of darkness. If the devil is any part of your life, you're going to have chaos. It's just going to constantly have chaos in your life. So if you're saying, oh, it's a problem, have the problem, have the problem, and it never turns around. Okay, you have chaos in your life. You have darkness, and you need what God says here. God says, I don't want you to have darkness. So he says in verse 3, let there be light. Somebody shout light. Light, light brings order. Oh, I don't know where I turn on the lights. The lights are off. Lights are on. Okay, okay, I see you. I see you. I see you. Okay. Everything's okay. Now I feel better. I feel better. Order. Okay? So God says from the beginning of time, watch this, I have taken care of chaos in your life. If you just let light come in, understanding come in, truth come in, then what will happen is, is that you will get rid of the darkness and the chaos and all the problems in your life if you allow me to come in because light will always remove darkness. And Jesus, when he went to the cross, what he did is just reaffirm light always wins. Darkness will not win again. Let me just let you know that's what he's saying to us. So watch. So God says from the beginning of time, I will give you the concept of understanding how to bring order in your life. And I tell you what, when you have order, peace comes with that. Joy comes with that. I'm not worried anymore. You know, I'm not upset anymore. You know what? I'm able to rest. I'm not, I'm not concerned what's going to happen in my life because I have order in my life. Okay, watch, watch. It's going to get good. Everybody stay with me? You okay? All right, all right, watch this. Go to the next verse. So verse 12 says this. We're still in Genesis right in the beginning. The earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed. And some of you are like, well, the herb, that's the, the grass, that's marijuana. God, God made marijuana. He, he did make marijuana. It's a plant, and he made marijuana, so marijuana was, is good because he said all things are good that he made here, so he made marijuana. 
He made a cactus, but you don't sit on it. He made an elephant, but you don't have it as a house pet. Should I go on? Okay. All right. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed. Somebody say seed, 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 seed. Okay. According to its own kind, meaning this, I don't have orange seeds, seeds in this. It's not a watermelon seed in here. What's in here? It's an apple seed, okay? Because that's what it's saying. Now watch this. The tree that yields fruit, okay, the tree yields fruit. How does a tree yield fruit? Because the seed, right? And we understand. This is very, real simple, but, boy, it's powerful when we connect to our life in a minute. It yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its own kind, and God saw that it was good. Now, let me, let me just say this. In the garden... When the garden was developed, the Garden of Eden, all the trees were mature trees. So what I'm saying, when Adam and Eve got there, right, I mean, they had to eat. They're hungry. They're full-grown adults, right? They're not kids. They're not babies. God didn't put little seedlings and little babies, and, and he had to raise them. He didn't do that. They were, there was a man, there was a woman, and there were mature trees. By 5 o'clock, they're ready to eat. So the fruit is hanging on the trees. So the garden had already mature trees. Now watch. So what was happening is God then is watching Adam eating this fruit. And I'm going to show you what he did. And he said, hey, Adam, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant. The plants, the trees, all this fruit you're eating, you've got to understand the only way you're eating this fruit is because a seed is causing it to grow. All right? So watch. Every tree whose fruit contains a seed. Listen, Adam, there is a seed in the fruit, and this food is for you. Now watch. Here, I, got a, I have an apple. You can show it. Okay. You, you know what's in here. Yeah. See, here's an apple. So inside the apple, so what would Adam... Oh, very good. And so inside the apple, these seeds were here, but Adam didn't know what the seeds represented. He didn't know. So what he's doing, he's throwing the apples on the ground. God is saying, well, Adam, hey, hey, do you know what you're doing? Come here. Do you see these little black seeds in here? If you don't replant these things, eventually this tree is going to be empty and this tree is going to die one day. You better plant these seeds to start growing new trees if you're going to live on my earth any length of time. Because you're throwing away your seed. And when you throw away your seed, you're not at all thinking about your future. All right? You're just thinking of right now. All right? Sam, I get a, I get a check for $500. Uh, my tithe is $50. Um, well, I don't want to tie $50 because I need $50. I need really $600, but I got $500. And I got to give $50 of that so I have $450. And that's $150 short. So how am I going to make it? So I need to keep that because I'd rather be $100 short than $150 so you don't give it. So God says, if you don't go ahead and give to me the seed, how am I going to grow you another tree that's going to actually have? How many know the, the seeds in here is going to grow more than one apple? I mean, how many know these seeds? This seed's not going to, okay, I plant a seed and it grows a tree with one apple. <laughs> no. I'm going to plant a seed, a couple seeds, and it's going to have 
you know, 100 apples, all right? So that's the understanding that God has when you plant seed. It multiplies. See, that's why God says it increases. Whatever you do will increase. So you plant the seed. So, so Adam had to learn to replant a seed. So you take the $50 and you plant your tithe. And if you want to give more than tithing, which is your offering, it goes 11% and more. you got to get over 10 So you give, a, give an offering. So I'm going to give 12% of that. Now God says you planted a seed. So now I can grow and multiply in your life. By you holding on to it, you don't have anything. Yeah, but i got to get me some tennis shoes. I got these new Michael Jordan shoes. Well, go ask Michael then to bless you then after you buy his $150 shoes. Go to the movie theater and buy your popcorn and everything and pay $25 to get in and watch something stupid and go there. And come out and say, well, let the movie theater go and make up your deficit. No. See, you're giving and planting your seed in things that can't bring back to you and reproduce. Only God can do that. All right. Let's go deeper. I think, I think you're getting it. Well, let's go deeper. All right. Let's go. So the Bible says here. Don't be deceived. Watch this. And I'm going to tell you a story that's going to help. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. You don't reap until you sow. Look at this. Here's another translation. Don't Don't deceive yourself. No one makes a fool of God. You will reap exactly what you plant. Which says, let me define it. A man's harvest depends entirely in his life on what he sows. Now listen how powerful that is. You, your life, let me just say it this way. Where you're at today, you went ahead and did whatever you did to your life. Whatever you positioned your life in is where you're at today. You're not where you're at by accident. You have led yourself exactly where you're at. You have given or not given yourself into the predicament that you're in right now. What the Bible is saying, you can seed your way into your future or you can hold on to your seed and be miserable for the rest of your life if that's what you want. You get to choose it. I'm teaching you something that's really going to help you, okay? So what God is saying to you and I is that we need to plant something in good soil for it to grow into mature and multiply. A lot of the things we give to, well, I got to go to Starbucks. I got to get four fifty there and get my little foam on it, get my little strawberry and, and, all my, and a little cherry and an umbrella. I got to get that because I love that every day. Yeah, yeah. And then you come to church and, well, I think I got a dollar. Give a dollar here. Well, well, let Starbucks didn't go ahead and help you with a job. Let Starbucks give you your retirement. Let me do that. Or do you want to trust God? I want to trust God. Amen. I'm just telling you. I got 40 years of it. I'm telling you something that you don't hear. I wish somebody would have told me this stuff. I wish somebody would have helped me with this. So let me explain what happened. Let me explain what happened. We had a, well, it was kind of like, a, it wasn't a revival, but we had like midweek services. And we had these midweek services, and, and, and we were talking about sacrifices. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. And, uh, and, of course, the ultimate sacrifice is what God did sending Jesus. So the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus coming and sacrificed his only son and so forth. And that was the greatest sacrifice. So God was the first giver, in a sense. And so we were talking about that. And then there's a scripture here. It showed us on sacrifice. The sacrifices remained at the altar. See, leave your sacrifice, your gift, at the altar. 
So, so the Bible always talked about if you had a sacrifice, it always went on altars. Sacrifices went on altars. They didn't go in bags. They went on altars. So, so what happened, this is just being preached. Nobody's talking about money. Nobody's talking about anything. And all of a sudden, people just started walking down. And somebody puts $100 on the altar. I'm like, wow, that's, I've never seen that before, you know, because you're always collecting bags, but they walk down the altar. All of a sudden, a couple people over here start putting money down. Then all of a sudden, somebody takes off their, their, their watch and puts a watch down. Somebody comes up and takes a ring off, puts a ring down. And all this, it's full of jewelry. It's full of money. Nobody said a word. Nobody said anything. And all of a sudden, people started sacrificing something special that they've never sacrificed before. And they started understanding something that it wasn't just a seed. It was like, if Jesus, I really believe he sacrificed for me, what have I ever sacrificed for him? Rather than giving him tips and just giving him a token, just giving him every, something every once in a while, here's some change I can spare. But, but how many of us have really sacrificed? Because let me explain this. It's not a money. This isn't a money thought at all. Money's part of this as far as where we invest it. But seed time and harvest. Of, how many of you are married here? Anybody married here? Raise your hand, Mary. About three of you. Okay. How many of you are single here? Is that the rest of you? All right. Yeah. How many of you don't know? You're kind of in between. I just confused. I'm, I could be married. May not be married. I hope. I dream I'm married. But sometimes I think I have somebody, but I don't. Okay. So you're in between. <laughs> okay. You'll understand this. All married people, married, let, let, let us help you single people out tonight. Married people, when, when we got married, all right, you get, you get married. How many of you know the wedding is, is really all for the bride? It's all a women's thing. Guys, I'm letting you know, some of you single guys here, you don't have any part of anything. You don't choose colors, food, nothing. All, you go out and pick out a ring. You got, you got Goober with you, and you go and pick out a ring. And so, you, how you like that one? Yeah, I look good. I think I look good on a finger. Yeah, why don't you get that one? Okay, I'll get that one. And so they get the ring. And then remember, remember now, now you have somebody, women can understand. And then he presents, you know, I just want to marry you. Will you marry me? And they get all excited, okay? Then the guy's like, well, okay, that's really good. And he doesn't think about it and doesn't even tell his friend, doesn't even care. Doesn't. Then you, you call people up, you run around to your friends, and look what I got. Look what he gave me. He gave you a ring. Oh, my God, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. It was 50 bucks. Yes, it is. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm losing my mind right now. Just give me a break here. So you, you all excited. And, the one, and, and everything of the wedding is, is, is the bride. It's the bride. It's the bride. It's the bride. I've done so many weddings here, and it's amazing. You go into the bridesmaid's room, and they're just primping over the bride. They're, they're throwing her dress back and fluffing it around and fixing her hair and stuff. And you go into the men's area there, and they're just sitting like this. About 10 minutes, uh, Bob. Yeah, you can get out of it if you want to. You got about 10 more minutes. Okay, I mean, it's a different spirit. Then what happens, the groomsmen walk out, right? Nobody claps, nobody stands, nobody even is looking at them. Everybody's looking at the back door. We want the bride to come in. And all of a sudden, done, done, da, done, 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 done. 
And single guys, when you hear that, you are done, done to done. I'm just telling you, you just understand. It's done. 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 So, so what happens? She's walking down. Oh, she, and all, all you women, the men just standing there, all you women, oh, look at her. She's lost so much weight. She looks so good. Her makeup is so fine. I love the, her dress. Oh, that veil is just so beautiful. Look at her story, all the dress. Okay. Then they come up, and it's just you think, now watch. I'm helping you on Seed Time Harvest. I'm still in Seed Time Harvest, that sermon, okay? <laughs> then you come up, and I'm, I've stood there with them, for, and, and they just, sometimes they'll cry. I've done their wedding. I've done all my kids' weddings. And, you know, sometimes they, you know, they'll, they'll get teary-eyed and they do their, you know, she's like, I, I thank God that I met you and you're the most wonderful thing I've ever known. I never knew that I could love someone so much as you. And you were just perfect. And, oh, God just saved you for me and how special you are forever to me. And then he's like, uh, ditto. I, I, I like that. Let's do it again. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't know what to say. I like you too. That's it. <laughs> then, I mean, it's just this love affair. Just they do the vows. And, you, you know, with this ring, I thee wed. This ring, I thee wed. Let's light the unity candle. And you come back. They're just like, they're starry-eyed. They don't get it. They're going to be in my office three months later fighting. They don't get it. They're dancing at the thing and reception, and all he's thinking about is honeymoon. She just wants to have a party. He's thinking, honeymoon, honeymoon. <laughs> Come on, let's get rid of this thing. I don't want to shake hands. I don't want to sign a book. Let's get out of here. <laughs> honeymoon. <laughs> Come on, we got to be real in church here. And I feel like, I feel like, at the end of a message, or at the end of a wedding ceremony, there's one more thing I need to add when I pronounce them husband and wife, because I know what's going to happen, because I know all this love and this tremendous love that they have for one another, is that I want to I just say, now I introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and then I want a microphone to come down from heaven and come down from the ceiling and say, and ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, because that would really be more truth. <laughs> All right, now, married people, you know as well as I do, that wedding doesn't last long as far as you complimenting your wife. You know what I'm saying? You don't, even, you don't ever tell me you love me. Well, I did at the wedding. That doesn't work anymore. Come on, ladies. You can amen on that. That's not going to work. You know, that's not going to work. You know what? I mean, because you want, watch this. We're talking about seed time and harvest. That's one time. That's okay for that day. 
but you're going to have to seed into your relationship if you're going to get a harvest back. And both of you have to do this to get a harvest back. So we're down in Irvine here. So I take the credit card and said, Debbie, I got the credit card. We want to go out and go shopping here. God bless you. I love you here. Have a good time. I'm seeding into my wife. When she says to me, honey, I don't want to interrupt you. We're not going to watch any stupid show. You get to watch the football game all afternoon, and I'm going to bring you your meal. You don't even have to get up. I'm not going to bother you. She's seeding into me. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> y'all are crazy, you know? <laughs> y'all, y'all. <laughs> so, 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 so what I'm saying is when I deal with, when I deal with people who want to get a divorce and want to separate, I always find that there's somebody that doesn't want to seed into the other person anymore. You know, that's really what's happening. You don't want to give anymore. I'm tired of giving. And so what happens is there is no reciprocation. There's, there's nothing coming back because isn't there seed, then there's a harvest. Let me ask you this. If you don't have any friends, it's because you're not nice. You're not nice. You're, you're rude, you're ugly, you've got, a, you've got a frown on your face, you don't look friendly. You ever seen somebody that just doesn't even look happy? You don't want to go up to them, hey, how you doing? Shut up! Shut up! It's like, wow. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, so, so, so what I'm saying is, is that you have to, you, if you want friends, what do you have to do? Hey, you got to be nice first, right? And when you're nice first, if somebody's not nice, that's not going to be your friend. But you'll find somebody that will reciprocate, right? And then again, you don't have, have you been in a relationship where you're the only one that calls? You're the only one that calls a person up and you call them up. Well, hey, and we want to come over. Yeah, hey, you want to go out and eat? You want to do this? But they never call you. Do you find that you kind of, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we're that close. I don't know if we can be close friends. Because there's nothing back. She doesn't seed into me or he doesn't seed into me. So why? You understand what I'm saying? So relationship is based on seed time and harvest. It is. So if I want to last long and I'm coming up on my 40th year being married. 40 years. 40 years. 40 long years. Okay. 40 years. Now, how many of you know you don't make it 40 years without seed time and harvest? I have to go ahead and I have to do things when I don't get anything back, but I do that. What happens? It'll come back. Seed time. Okay. That's one. Relationship. Here's the area of seed time. Number two. It's your health. It has something to do with your health. Now, I know, look at, I, st- I try to stay in shape and stuff. I have had two heart attacks is why I have to stay in shape. I just had one, what? Four weeks ago, Christy, four weeks ago, I was just in the hospital, and I have coronary artery disease from my wonderful family that I have that I've inherited this genetic thing where I have my arteries clog up, okay? I've had three near-death experiences in nine years. I had pulmonary embolism nine years ago. Four and a half years ago, I had four blocked arteries, 95% blockage, should have died then. And then this last one, the doctor at Stanford says you should have died then because they stuck a stent in wrong and it was not put in properly and it was blocking a tire artery in my heart. Don't know how, he said, I don't know how you're not, how you're living. 
So, so in this here, I realize that for me to keep my cholesterol down, if I want to live, he says, you're going to have to eat certain foods. You're going to have to not eat foods. You're going to have to eat certain foods. Okay. That's if I want to live. Now, some of us don't care about this, but seed time harvest works also with our food. If you don't want to work out, then don't expect to be healthy. I, I don't know how you can. So, so when you're in the hospital and you're 30 years old and you're having a heart attack because cheeseburgers are clogging your arteries up and you've eaten them so much, you call to me, Pastor Glenn, the devil is trying to kill me. He's trying to kill me. My heart is stopping up. And I tell you what, come rebuke the devil off of me. He's trying to kill me. I'm not going to rebuke the devil off of you. I'm going to rebuke the fork, the knife, and the spoon. Oink, oink, oink. Because you don't eat right. And you and I both know, you look at that Biggest Loser show, and they're 450 pounds, and they're taking all this medicine, all this high cholesterol, you know, blood pressure medicine, they have their diabetics and so forth, they're taking insulin, doing all this. Then they lose 200 pounds, and then they don't have to take the medicine. So apparently, when they seed health and they get in shape, it affects them health-wise. Seed time harvest, okay? And then I learned this other on the financial side. And we had that revival taking place. We had $25,000 laid on the altar, came on the altar. And not a word was said and even asked. Next night I walk in, there's a motorcycle at the altar. Scuba equipment at that altar. Skis, snow skis are at the altar. Keyboards at the altar. Guitar at the altar. Money, jewelry. All things, Rolex watches and Casio watches. Cheap watches and $5,000 Rolexes sitting on an altar. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. No one said a word. Something grabbed, a spirit grabbed hold of our church, and they caught this thing of what a sacrifice was. And it didn't matter if they had anything. They just wanted to let God know how special he was. And this just touched people. Now, let me tell you what it did. It opened up the miraculous in the church. We started seeing miracles and not even trying to see miracles. I'll tell you one that was just unbelievable. <clears throat> I'm praying during this time. I'm praying for people at the altar. Praying in Jesus' name. I said, baby, what's your, what's your, she's 12 years old. I said, what's your problem? She goes, I'm blind in my right eye. Now, most of us are like, well, let me get somebody else. And so, so I said, you're blind in your right eye. You can't see. You can't see at all? No. I'll cover your left eye. Can you look at that sign over here? She says, no. Can't see it. I said, then uh, let me pray for her. I prayed for her. All of a sudden, I walked down here, and I kept praying. All of a sudden, somebody screamed. He said, she can see. She, somebody runs down and says, she can see. So I ran back here. I said, you can see out of that eye. She goes, yeah. I said, cover your left eye. I said, look up and read out of your right eye. She reads perfectly on the screen. I said, you couldn't read that ever? No. I said, where's your mom? She goes, she's not here. I said, she's coming to pick you up? She says, yeah. I said, I want to see her. Point her out when she walks in. I was just waiting for her. All of a sudden, she walked in. I said, mama, come here. I said, you're, you're, you're a little girl. She can't see, huh? It's not out of her right eye. She's been that way since birth? Yeah. I said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to come see your little girl over here. And I said, uh, baby, go ahead and cover your left eye. She covers her eye. I said, read that with your right eye. She reads it perfectly. The mama started crying, started screaming. 
said, you can see? And she started crying. We started seeing the miraculous take place. Yeah. Because I got to tell you this. Because this is important. Everybody here, I don't know if you can see. Can they see, Pastor Jeremy? Gra- grab this. What is this? This envelope, the fearless envelope. Gra- everyone grab one of these. Because you got to do this. Please do this. It's a bucket. Okay, on the end there, you guys pass them out, Larry, everybody. And then I want you to open it up to this middle part. This is prayer request and testimony. Okay, who doesn't have one? Everybody get one because this is real important. Get one on the front row of this hand. Everybody have one? Hold it up. Wave it to me if you have it. Good, good for you. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Get a pen. And you see where it says prayer request, testimony. Now, listen, everything I do, there's nothing I do. Give me, I don't know, give me God, not weird. I'm a Bible guy. I look at the Bible. I trust everything God says. He's not failed me 40 years. What I want you to write on here, I want you to write some things on here. Now, wait till I tell you what to write. The Bible says scripture, let your requests be known to God. God wants to know what you're dealing with. Let me tell you what I did with this. After I saw the sacrifices here, I realized something, that every dream that I have needs a seed for a miracle. I did an envelope called a dream seed miracle. Now listen to what I'm saying. Christy's older sister, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Kelly, and uh, Christy was probably 12 years old, 12 or 13. Kelly was 16 years old. At 14, Kelly, my oldest one, Christy's sister, said to me, Dad, I want to be a nurse at 14. I said, well, that's wonderful. She said, I want to go around the world, Dad. I'll go with you some, and I want to help people around the world. I said, wow. I said, that's wonderful. And you pray for your kids to do something great. Two years later, we moved to California here. At 16 years of age, she starts waking up with pain. Hear what I'm saying? 16 years old. She's in the summer going into the 11th grade. Take her to the doctor. She has full-blown rheumatoid arthritis. All of a sudden, within a few days, she's been over. Her hands start curling up, and she has tremendous pain in her body and put her on these heavy, heavy drugs. She's walking like this, and she's got a handicap sticker going into the 11th grade at her public high school. God says... Seed time harvest. This is how I learned it. I didn't hear this from somebody. I had to learn this from my own family. I said, God, you have a scripture of an immutable law that says if I seed, that I have a request that I can make known to you, and you'll listen to me. You'll at least listen to me. Now, watch this. I don't know when the harvest will come for you, But I guarantee you, it will come because God does not lie. So watch. So what I did, I took the envelope, and on the top of my request area, like you have, heal Kelly from arthritis. Save my mom and dad. I'm the only one in my family saved. Save mom and dad. And I'd write up, I'd fill up this thing. But the main one was Kelly. Because, see, now I got a daughter that's 16 that's telling me who's going to want to marry me. I got a daughter that's saying, Dad, I'm going to have to live with you for the rest of my life. Dad, I guess I don't go to the prom. I don't have anybody that wants to take me out. Who's going to want me? Why would God tell me I'm going to be a nurse and I can't even grip my fingers? How can that happen? Okay, God, maybe, maybe you're not desperate enough to do this, but I was. I said, God heal my daughter and I'm putting money 
I'm not putting my tithe, I'm putting an offering. I'm sealing it. I said, I'm making my request known. My tithe is not a seed. My tithe is a tithe. It's called a tithe. Seed is over my tithe, over my tithe. And so I would lay this at the altar. I said, okay, God, I'm holding you on your word. And I laid on altar. Well, Pastor Glenn, what happened? Well, three months passed. Nothing happened. Six months passed. Nothing happened. A year, bam, every month, laying a major amount of money on the altar over my tithes. Heal her. Save my mom and dad. Putting these things down on the altar. A year later, she's worse. Now, most of us would say, well, I guess God doesn't want to do it. I'm going to quit. And what you're quitting on, you're quitting on God's word. You can't quit when God says something. That's a promise to you. So God said it. I'm going to hold him to it. And I'm going to keep doing it until it happens. So I went a whole nother year. I'm two years into this thing. Do you have something important enough for you to see happen in your future where you're willing to do anything to see it happen? I did two years. She's bedridden in two years. She can't even get up. God, I don't understand. I'm giving. I'm believing. There's seed time harvest. I don't get it. I would go ahead and gripe. I would cry. I would do that. But I would decide that I'm not quitting on God's law. You said it, and I'm believing. And I started the third year. Three years. She's crippled. She finishes high school. She's trying to go to Modesto Junior College. And I'm giving. She wants to be a nurse, God. She needs to be healed, God. All of a sudden, she said, out of the blue, she says, Dad, I want to get off my medicine. I don't know if you can, baby. I want to. I said, okay, I'll pray with you. She gets off of it and drops it some, and she doesn't, she's not in pain. She's on the same level of pain. Next month, she drops it some more, on the same level of pain. I'm giving. Within six months, she's sitting on the front row of the church, and I said, I'd like for you to, because see, when I'd have her come up and pray in the church, two ushers would have to grab her under her arms to pick her up and walk her on her stage. And then at the going into three years, she got up by herself. And by that time, she was doing well. And what was amazing is that in this, she got accepted on the first time into nursing school. She goes to nursing school. She graduates. And she walks up on our platform and tells our church, I'm a nurse. And they saw her when she was crippled, where there's no cure. But I continued knocking. I continued asking. I didn't give up on what God said. Some of you have dreams that will never be fulfilled until you seed and make your request known and said, God, I'm serious about this. So I didn't come to play. I came to see your mom and daddy saved, your brother, sister who's not here saved. The healing that you need in your life for it to come to pass. The job the apartment you need, the money for college. All of this 
you seed. So I want you now, everybody, write down, fill up those lines, make your request. Come on. This is going to be good. Because I'm going to have you do something, and something's going to happen in this church that's never happened before. You're going to see. You've been in here and had nice meetings. You're getting ready to see the other side of the miraculous side of what God can do. You can write one thing. You can write five things. You can write ten things. What is it that you write? I would write my mom and dad. I'd write that down. It wasn't saved. I'd write my sister. It wasn't saved. And you know what? It just continued. Now listen to what I'm saying. This is what I want you to do. And you need to be serious about this. You need to not only put your tithe, because you, we didn't re- receive tithes. Put your 10% in here. But this, that's, not, that's not your seed. I want you to do the biggest thing you've ever done in your life to tell God that you're serious about this. Everybody here, do it. Now listen, you don't want to, that's okay. I'm not here to twist your arm. I'm just telling you, 19 years, listen to what I'm going to say, 19 years in my church, we have done this every day. For 19 straight years, every Sunday, I read testimonies on the back that they've written that come to pass. Thanks for listening to another powerful message from Fearless LA. You can follow what's happening at Fearless by going to fearlessla.com, exploring the app, or looking us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you would like prayer, check out the prayer wall in the Fearless app. God bless you. Thank you.